You're listening to Liturgies of Life, the fifth season of Enacting the Kingdom. Here you'll be joining me and Father Jeffrey as we consider the wider implications of our everyday rituals. From shopping to social media to sports and to the so-called work-life balance, let's explore how the mundane aspects of our daily existence truly become liturgies of life. The central ritual in our Orthodox Christian life is an act of eating, Father Jeffrey. It's an act of consuming the body and blood of Christ. But we eat all the time. We eat at home. We eat out at the restaurant. We eat with friends. We eat on special occasions. We eat on not special occasions. And for many of us, and you know, I'm going to be very honest with our listeners. I'm going to throw myself into this category where food becomes an idol. Uh, where food often becomes a source of temptation and a source of sin. Uh, we all have our different vices. Food is definitely one of my many vices. Um, and uh, so I was hoping, Father Jeffrey, you could counsel me today. We could talk about <laughs> food. We could, we could investigate some of the liturgies that I have um, constructed around food in my home. Um, but of course, we're going to be talking not just about my food situation, but sort of the, the, the situation that all of us have uh, in our modern culture, the way that we engage with food in our home. That's sort of the main topic today, the way that we engage with food in our home. Um, so, okay, I'll, I'll start here, Father Jeffrey, before I even get you to get, say anything else. <clears throat> Fair enough. <laughs> I, I, through, through COVID, COVID really accentuated this, um, this ritual. And it is the ritual of lunch on the couch watching TV, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I would make whatever it is, eggs and bacon or, you know, whatever I have for lunch. Um, then cook it, sit down in front of the TV watch two episodes of The Office or Parks and Recreation or some, some sort of fun little thing while I'm eating. And then that's, the, that's kind of one of the ways that I've engaged with food in my home. And it seems to me, and even while doing it, I'm like, this is probably not the best way to really honor this gift of food that I have here, <laughs> right? Um, most of the time, I'm not even noticing that I'm what I'm eating and not even appreciating what I'm eating. Um, so maybe we could start there, Father Jeffrey. What are maybe some of the kind of shortcomings of, of that kind of ritual? Or, or maybe not. Maybe there is something good there that, that I am not able to perceive aside from just the comfort level. Yeah, I mean, it's a complex situation, right? I wouldn't want to rush to any <laughs> black or white judgment of, of a particular situation like that. But I think we can ask questions about it, right, is maybe the, the safest place to, to begin. And some of this will, will be taking up in a later episode on kind of work-life balance, right? Is there anything sort of fundamentally wrong about watching something on Netflix? And and we'll, we'll ask that question, you know, later. But so laying aside that part of it maybe for the time being i think you know there are a few things we want to maybe wonder about a little bit when we talk about food in the home and the and the rituals that that we have you know around that um i think if always and everywhere our eating is characterized by being on our own 
in front of the television or indeed, you know, eating with a fork in one hand and our mobile phone in the other as we kind of scroll through, you know, different parts of social media, or indeed if we're just standing up at the kitchen worktop scoffing down a sandwich quickly because we only have five minutes to to eat or whatever. I mean, these are all kind of if it becomes a regular pattern of our of our eating, there are ways in which this is not very healthy for us as human beings, right? Because I think what we would want to say about food is both that it is less important and more important than our society and current culture treats it, right? Less important and more important. Yeah. In some ways it's less important. In some ways it's more important. And this is in a way, it's a kind of perfect expression of the thing we talked about before in terms of Christian materialism, right? Because on one level, you know, we're not materialists. Um, on one level, you know, to reduce all of the goodness of creation to mere atoms and molecules and all the things that go into constructing, you know, reality and so forth is to miss the kind of more transcendent purpose and 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 goal of all things and and the joy indeed of and grace of all creation. And so in one respect, you know, we're not those atheistic materialists who would ground all meaning in the material, right? And so in that regard, you know, we cannot idolize food. We cannot make it a thing of our worship and of veneration and, and put it on a kind of high pedestal and say, you know, this is the, the sum total of, of what we are as material creatures is to, is to consume and, and, and make use of, of, of this material. And then, you know, obviously, you know, get rid of it as well as part of that cycle of life and, and so forth. That's not what we were, we're, we're reducing all of reality to. But on the other hand, because material is something that can be spirit bearing and indeed it can be that signification, the sign of the greater purpose, the greater meaning of, of all creation and of the creator himself, it can be properly marshaled into a place where it's, it's quite high in our life. We, we can use material things including food as a form of worship, as a form of communion. And so, I mean, you started off by saying, you know, the central act of, of our gathering together, of our worship, of our, of our life as, as human beings is to share a meal together. And that's, that's critical, right? It's, it, it's material, it's, it's physical, it's embodied, it's, but it's also shared. It's also part of something that is more mindful and deliberate and, and focused with, with all of our attention given to what it is and what it represents. And so in that regard, I would say, you know, we need to kind of de-idolize food by taking it out of that central place of worship, um, or maybe of our, you know, giving it attention as a thing, but, but revalorize it, put it back into our life as, as something that's, that's really rather critical in our life as human beings and, and of our worship of God. And in that regards, you know, it's not ultimately less time, but more time that we should be giving to it, right? The, um, you know, the, the, you know, the quick meal at, at the, at the lunch counter, you know, is, is bad because it, it, it doesn't actually give place for that worship to take place for that thanksgiving for that act of of turning towards the one who provides for us and upon whom we are dependent right um the that meal taken on our own you know wrapped up in our own kind of thoughts or indeed watching something or, or looking at something on the internet is 
is debased because it's not that shared experience of, of communion, of, of meals being a source of joy and of grace, of hospitality, of love, and so forth. And, you know, I had the real privilege of, of living in, in France for some years. And, you know, it's so striking how different a culture there is around food there compared to, mm-hmm. to, to North America. You know, the, um, you know, there's a, a, there's a sense going back many, many centuries now and not it at all outside of being informed by Christian tradition on this, but that, that meals are always and everywhere to be taken very seriously. Um, now, it's not to say there aren't people who are then going to turn that into that idol or make it the point, right? That somehow, you know, and there's a kind of aspect of French cuisine that maybe, you know, approaches a form of idolatry that way. But but I'm talking about in the ordinary French home and household. And this goes from, you know, it cuts through every social class, right? In fact, it's striking maybe most of all in the kind of working class there, you know, where lorry drivers and construction workers will knock off two hours of their workday to go and properly eat a meal together, to break bread together. And they, you know, if you want to know in France how to find the best restaurant, follow them at lunchtime, because they're going to find that out of the way, inexpensive, home cooked, you know, meal that is so nourishing to both the body and the soul. And they're going to spend good two hours together over that meal, right? Not because they worship the food, but because they understand how central an act that is to being a human being. And, and, you know, maybe now it's less likely they're kind of consciously giving thanks to the creator and doing that. But in some ways, by their very act of communion over that meal, there is a glory being given to God, right? There's a celebration of the bounty and providence of, of the creator and of, of kind of offering back our own gratitude, you know, for that. And so, uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it, we've, we've really, really twisted, <laughs> you know, that, and it's, you know, don't have to travel far outside of, of, of a country in which that is kind of still a prevalent part of the culture to find, you know, a, a society that is so driven, whether it's by work or by play or two, you know, um, and we're talking about work-life balance in, in another episode, but being both work and play can take away from, from this idea that food is to be treated sacramentally, you know, at, at all times. And if, if anything, it's that act of Eucharist, uh, Eucharistic worship at the heart of our, of our Christian life that ought to, inf- you know, kind of counter inform every meal. You know, there shouldn't ever be a meal that isn't Eucharistic if we are living properly as Orthodox Christians with that Eucharistic, sacramental, you know, worldview. And so I'm not saying, you know, coming back to your, you know, initial question there that, that every time you have your bacon and eggs in front of parks and recreation or the office that you're somehow, you know, violating some sort of sacramental order of things, but it should be the exception, right? To, to what it should be a more normal way of things, which is, you know, I would like to eat who is there (laughs) to eat with. Who is there to celebrate with? Who is there to, to give thanks to God with for, for all that, that, that we have? And, and, and if you think about how often, you know, as you started off saying, you know, in our lives, that is an opportunity for us, right? This isn't just like, okay, the once a year thing that I'm going to do. Be, at least three times a day, we have to be in that mode of thinking, you know, how is my next meal going to be properly Eucharistic and properly celebratory of the goodness of, of the Creator and of His, of His grace for us? 
If you're not a patron of Enacting the Kingdom, you're only getting half a podcast. This show only exists because of an active community of people just like you over on Patreon. When you become a patron, you'll get additional episodes, live streams, and our ever-growing backlog of episodes, 66 at the time of this recording. And as we're social media free, Patreon is the only place to engage with us and others about these episodes. Go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom to join the growing community. I think a lot of the good things we have in our life get distorted into some of these practices. Like, you know, eating is good, but when it's done in a, a you know, a twisted way, it gets distorted. And I remember watching a uh, <clears throat> a baby being fed and then the baby was being fussy. So a TV show was put on on mm-hmm. a... Um, Uh, iPhone for the baby and the baby sort of immediately sort of like plugged in well-behaved docile subdued and just like uh, you know unconsciously opening up the mouth and chewing and swallowing and kind of like you know like that and I remember having this sense of superiority like oh look at that baby ha 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 (laughs) oh no I've been doing the exact same thing (laughs) with my life I've been I've been making I, I have been uh submitting myself to sort of that altar of um i guess you could call it disordered eating or or eat, maybe not disordered eating because that's kind of a technical term but um an eating out of context right out of its fullest context maybe that's a better way of putting it well yeah and it works both ways right because you're describing there you know the pattern of you know a meal that's being undertaken and you know for whatever you know reason the parents decide to introduce the screen, you know, into that to kind of placate the child and maybe make the, the meal unfold a little bit more peacefully. Uh, but, you know, we get into these rituals and ha- habits, right? We've talked before about how habituated we are in everything that we do. And most of what we ever do is not consciously or deliberately conceived. And, you know, consequently, you know, something like food, which plays such an important part in in our lives, is very easily brought into those kind of daily rituals and habits, you know, that we have. And so you might be thinking, okay, well, I've got my bacon and eggs. Now I'm going to go watch Netflix. So that's one way that it works. Another way that it works is I put on Netflix or whatever, uh, or the, the the sports game on on the television, or I've sat down in a movie theater or whatever. Now I need to get something to eat, right? So that we've Mm -hmm. ritualized the eating alongside that activity. And that's where it gets really dangerous and very unhealthy, you know, for us, because often we're reaching for snacks and things that are are not the best. um, I've had that recently where, I mean, after throughout COVID, having this ritual of sitting, eating while watching whatever TV show I'm watching over time, you begin to associate, and this is in the, this is in the psychological literature. You begin associating that place Mm -hmm. with the action of putting your hand to your mouth, right? Like just something as simple as that. And then you're you're sitting, it's like, I don't know, maybe a sports game is on in the evening. You sit down you watch it and you go, why am I not eating? Yeah. (laughs) Where's my drink? Where's the bowl of crisps or or popcorn or whatever it is that, that, that you want to have. And so, I mean, and this is happening at this very deep embodied, you know, level and so forth. And then what's happened is that, you know, f- you're, you're even a further layer away or level away from, from that very 
consciously undertaken, uh, deliberate, mindful uh, way of, of, of celebrating the goodness of creation through food into it's just become, you know, it, it's no longer, I mean, that the first level was like, it's just fuel to live and I'll just kind of operate on that level. But now it's become this kind of addictive part of, of our behavior and, 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 and it's even less paid attention to as a kind of source of, of, of providence and, and bounty and, and goodness and, and so forth. And it, it really is kind of eroding, you know, our, 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 our wills, it's eroding our, our hearts, our desires and so forth. And I mean, it's in this context that the church long before there was a Netflix or films in the cinema or whatever, asked us to fast, right? And and we don't fast because we hate food. We don't fast because we don't think food is good for us. We don't fast because we don't think that food should even be an important and central part of our life, including our Christian life and our worship and so forth. I always love to quote St. Macarius the Great, who was one of the greatest ascetics and fasters in, in church history who said Christianity is food and drink, you know, and, and he's right, you know, and, and so much of our theology is around the goodness of God and, and his invitation to us to share in his life that is often construed as a banquet. You know, it's the king's banquet. It's the marriage supper of the lamb. It's, you know, th this imagery that is, you know, replete in the scriptures is, is always of God inviting us to eat with him, to sit down at a meal, you know, with, with, with the eternal God, the infinite God who provides, you know, all things for us. That's a kind of central image of, of our faith. And yet we're asked to fast, right? At certain seasons. Well, I, it's about bringing back that deliberateness, that that mindfulness, about paying attention to to our bodies, to our needs, to our dependence on God, to to our hungers and our desires. Right? We want the desires of our hearts to be for God, not for not conscripted in this kind of mindless way towards that entertainment and then the habituated just snacking alongside that or the not paying attention to the way that our food is properly or ought to properly be a source of, of communion with one another and with God. And so it really is one of the most dangerous areas. I mean, just because it is so important to us and it's such a, a common feature of our human life, this food business, right? It, it, it can be the source of so many uh, ills, whether they're, you, know, you mentioned, you know, eating disorders, which are the kind of, you know, it's that you know, where the, these things tip over into, you know, something that is properly, deeply uh, distorted in the human person, right? And it takes a lot of work for people who've gone and have suffered through, through various eating disorders. It, I mean, it's one of the more fundamental illnesses of the, of the mind, of the body that can afflict someone. And it should be taken very seriously indeed. And it, it, it's just because this is such a core part of who we are. And so distorted, it becomes very, very dangerous for us as human beings, right? And, and you know, the, the idea that the, the Christian home is the place where this should be resolved or, or modeled in, in, a, in a healthy way in, ought to be at the forefront of our preaching, of our Christian teaching, of our of our ministry to families and so forth. It, but it's often, you know, we don't think about this, right? We get people into church, they're there for Vespers, they're for liturgy or whatever. And, you know, we kind of leave people on their own in their kitchens, around their dining room tables or, or whatever. We don't interrogate or question or even talk about what people's daily habits, you know, might be. But in actual fact, if you find out that a family is only very rarely sitting down together 
right, as a family around the dining room table and taking time over a meal, whether it's preparing it together and then sharing it together, cleaning up together, giving thanks to God, you know, together. If that's only you know, a sporadic thing as it is in a lot of homes today because of the pressures and counter pressures of life. That's a, that's a danger sign. You know, that, that there's a lot of ill health in, in spirit and in body in, in that, in that group. And we need, I think as, as, as pastors, as, as Christian brothers and sisters to, to, to others, we need to be paying attention to that and looking for, for the kind of warning signs of, of when things are going off the rails. Cause if this goes wrong, it can really go wrong in people's lives, you know, and it leads to other kinds of of anxieties and 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 disorders and, and and addictions and so forth so getting nutrition and nourishment in the fullest sense and 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 that kind of communion around food right can be the the first step in, in a lot of good health within a family within a christian life if you are getting value from this podcast please consider writing a short positive five-star review on your podcast app and even though we are social media free there is still a place you can keep up to date with enacting the kingdom you can join the email list by going to enactingthekingdom.com well let's talk about getting it right let's talk about what it looks like you know this is a show for Orthodox Christians, but I'm sure this could apply to to many people. But you know, what would a you know if we if we could uh, create a fictional family, Father Jeffrey, who get it right, right? What are some of the things that they might be doing every day to get this right? So we've we've mentioned a whole lot of those positive things already. There's a couple of things that I would like to touch on. One being prayer. How does prayer fit into our food? Not only, um, you know, our communion with each other through conversation and through eating at the same time, but uh, perhaps uh, location in the house, perhaps um, setting our table. Like how how do, how can we um, recapture some of these rituals in order to do eating in the home right again? Well, I mean, this, you know, whole podcast and the series and everything is about liturgies of life. And I would start our thinking here around liturgy, right? And we say, and I hope, remember often that what we do in church together is a kind of concentrated rehearsal for how we're supposed to live, you know, elsewhere. So, I mean, it shouldn't be that different in the Christian home, right? In terms of the the preparation and the planning and the organization that goes in into a meal i mean it, it starts to go wrong almost immediately when there's almost no attention you know given to that when shopping is done in a hurry and we just grab you know the things that are presented to us by the the shops at the you know and they do this really well right they put things at a certain level or a certain placement within the shop and we're asked to to get things and we grab the things that are the 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 the, the, the things that are least good for us because that's what you know has been presented to us as as the the thing to get that week you know it's at the end of the aisle it's it's at the right eye height or you know it's got the right packaging you know on it. it ought to start with you know the way we do liturgy we don't just sort of show up and say let's wing it you know we put a lot of care and effort over the centuries into what those services you know look like and we learn them we prepare for them you know, we, we, we read the scriptures, we, we, we prepare the music, we, we have the, all the vestments just so, and the church appointed just so, right? So there's a whole planning and preparation into our meals that, you know, without, and I'm not being unrealistic here, without sort of saying, okay, now you're going to take 
half your life, you know, and, and, and think about food and, and plan it and prepare every meal in your mind on some sort of list ahead of time. And you're going to go out and find the best shops and everything. I mean, ideally part of that planning and preparation is being more connected to the sources of food. I think the more removed we are from the actual people who grow and, and raise the food that, that we eat, the, the harder it is to be mindful and deliberate about our, our eating. But I, you know, I'm, I'm not unrealistic. I'm not suggesting you can only buy from farmer's markets or from directly from, you know, the farm, this farm to table idea is, is beautiful, but but not necessarily practical for most, you know, families, but as much as possible. And maybe from time to time, make that effort, you know, go to, you go and pick strawberries together in, in, in a field or go and, you know, meet with, with farmers in a market and buy directly from them or, or indeed just maybe in some aspect of your life. And one of the things we had in France, uh, and this is a real feature of, of French life is you buy bread every day. Right, give us this day our daily bread is enacted in a very, very powerful way. You know, in France, the you, you every day go and and you meet your neighbors uh, because you're queuing up to buy those baguettes and and, and other loaves from from the bakery, um, and it's just a central part of of that kind of daily you know rhythm. And just doing that one thing makes this that much more. Uh, mindful and deliberate and and intentional, right? And so, doing something as a family around that, you know, is important. And, and I would extend that to even preparing the table, right? I mean, it, it, again, we we kind of rush these things; we don't take enough attention to it. But but the, the idea of of having proper place settings and 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 making sure that children and and people of all ages are involved in in that preparation, the way we in the liturgy we set things out, you know, we don't just willy nilly you know, arrange the, the uh, instruments and utensils of, of liturgical worship. We're very careful. It's one of the things that, you know, that a presbyter has to learn to do very well. You know, everything from making sure that, you know, the, that the lance is sharp enough to cut to making sure it's in the right place and things are all organized, you know, for, for the liturgy. There's a real care that goes into that. And so I think that needs to be reflected in our in our daily life somehow in the home and probably not for every meal you know i'm realistic there as too you know but but could we try for one a day the the maybe the main evening meal and in our culture that 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 tends to be the the time when most people might be you know around it may not always work for everybody but you if you make that a kind of goal for the family it can be you know life transforming right and make sure that's really protected, you know, give at least an hour, you know, for that time and make sure that mobile phones are set aside and that people arrive on time and that they're attending to, to one another, that, um, that, you know, the people even come early, maybe in shifts to, to help with the preparation, with the serving, you know, of the food. And then others are there to, to help clean up afterwards. But for a time, everyone is together. And the only thing you have to do is to share the food with one another and to, to talk with one another. Because part of communion um, uh, in food is also the communication of the word, right? We see that again, this is the reflection of the liturgical life of the church. We have the liturgy of the word, we have the liturgy of the Eucharist. These things are inseparable and counter supporting, right? There is a kind of there's a way in which the whole first part of the liturgy, which is the liturgy of the word, which, you know, begins with the, the antiphons the, and the litanies, and then we have the readings, and then the homily, which is the kind of 
consuming moment of, of communion of the liturgy, that's all then mirrored in the second part of the liturgy where we have, you know, precisely, you know, the same kind of entrance with, with angels happening and, and then it culminates in a, in a communion of the actual, um, bread and wine, the body and blood you know, of Christ. There's two moments of, of communion that are the same ultimate communion in the word of God, right? And that's happening in this, you know, signification way, this kind of pointing towards way, this shadow way in every meal, right? So let's make sure that we have both word and sacrament, the, both the, the communication and the communion, you know, in the food there. So I would think this way of thinking, this liturgical way of thinking, you know, we've said that, you know, all life is liturgical anyway, it, it is, but let's be properly liturgical about the way we organize, at least aim for one meal a day in our families that, that, that kind of takes on, on that shape. And then of course, you, you mentioned prayer. I mean, it becomes not a kind of, oh yes, we, we must remember to say grace, you know, as a kind of perfunctory thing that, that just gets done. But it's the natural extension of everything that we're doing that within that context of preparation and working together and laying things out in, in an ordered way. And then, you know, sharing in both word and sacrament, it becomes the natural thing to do to, to use some of those words as words precisely of thanksgiving, you know, towards God. It, it, it's a kind of full expression in miniature of the, the, the Orthodox divine liturgy, right. That is taking place. And if we think of our meals in that way, I mean, my goodness, how are we going to do anything other than take it very seriously, you know, indeed, because it's a, it's working at that level, whether we're aware of it or not. And it's either working deliberately towards that kind of consummate Eucharistic form of, of liturgy, or it's become a, a form of idolatry and of disorder. And we need to be really careful with that. All your words are very beautiful and they are very encouraging for sure. I'm thinking in my context, how, how, what I can do about, um, meals at my own home but at the same time very daunting as well this isn't this isn't easy necessarily to get started especially if our habits are formed by netflix you know like us it can be very hard to break out of those patterns and there are ways i think that we can enact some of the stuff that you've been talking about maybe ideally we want to get to a place where we can do one meal a day with the whole family do this sort of intentional, but maybe it starts with one meal a week, right? Maybe sure, it yeah. starts with maybe even one meal every two weeks or one meal a month or, or the feast days of the church or, or something, right? Picking these days that we can do the special meal on and slowly incorporating more and more of these days into our, into our weekly life. Um, because yeah, I just, I, 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 you know, imagining myself as a, as a listener, to this podcast, Father Jeffrey, your words are quite inspiring, actually. Um, very encouraging. But at the same time, it also means a lot of work, right? It means a lot of reforming um, ingrained patterns of ritual and behavior. It does. But, you know, it, it doesn't take much imagination, I think, to realize just how important this is you know nobody is this classic trope you know on your deathbed what are you going to regret is it going to be i missed x number of episodes of something on netflix or is it i didn't have enough time being with people right i mean so this is the this is the key thing right that we need to understand what it properly means that god is emmanuel god with us 
right? And God with us means taking the time. And, you know, even in, in Jesus's own life, um, you know, he spent a week in Jerusalem at the end before his death and resurrection, where he was kind of doing things for us, right? And um, about three years before that was a kind of ministry where he was, you know, working um, kind of to form the community around him and so forth. But for the first 30 years of his life, he was just, he was in Nazareth. He was with his family, right? The, God becomes incarnate and, you know, 90 plus percent of his life is just spending time with his family. Isn't that interesting, right? And, and spending time with his friends, with his neighbors in Nazareth. Um, and, you know, it's not just a matter of, okay, that was all preparation for the, the really important stuff where he's doing stuff for us or do, you know, going out and healing and teaching and so forth. 90% of that incarnate life, earthly life of Jesus is just hanging out, spending time, talking, maybe working in the carpentry shop, you know, first with his foster father, then on his own when, when Joseph had died. I mean, that, that bears thinking about, right? So I suppose what I would want to encourage people is to say, that time you're spending just hanging out with your family, we, 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 we tend to think of that as wasted somehow, or this is unproductive time, or this is not what it's all about. And let, let's quickly fuel ourselves and get on to the real business, whether that's consuming, you know, whether then that's entertainment as well as material goods, or whether that's producing, you know, but we seem to think of those things as the important things, but the just being with is somehow secondary. And yet that's what God takes most seriously. And that's what God calls himself, the one who is God with us, Emmanuel. And so let's make the meal of the family about Emmanuel, about the idea that drawing together as, as the, the family that we are. And, and here I, I would want to then say, let's let's break that open. And, and who are the extended family, uh, whether they are kin of the flesh or whether they are brothers and sisters in Christ from the church community or indeed just our neighbors, you know? So you say about, you know, once a week or once a month, maybe that can even be the opportunity where that, that communion of food is opened up, you know, and others are invited in for no other reason than to be with them. Right. It's not wasted time. It's not just, okay. And the clock's counting. I need to move on to the real business of life. This is life. This is what it means to be a human being because God has invited us. As I say, the principal image for the kingdom is a banquet where we just get to be with God. And what do you think heaven is going to be, right? Is it going to be producing and consuming or is it going to just be this, to be with God, to be in his presence, to have fellowship, communion, kinonia. And um, I think we need to somehow settle in our minds that that's the point, right? And not somehow a taking time out of what is properly our business in this world. And it's not. Let's, let's follow the incarnate life of Jesus Christ. Let's follow Emmanuel and learn to just simply be with one another and, and to make that a priority. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Yuri Gladio, an Orthodox Christian priest with a lifelong desire to keep learning, and I'm joined on this show by my teacher and friend, Father Jeffrey Reddy. Father Jeffrey is the director of the Orthodox School of Theology at the University of Toronto and holds a doctorate in liturgical theology. Come connect with us on Patreon with any thoughts and follow-ups about this episode. We look forward to seeing you next time.